You're listening to the Podcast Factory. Yes, greetings everyone. This is Kabaka Pyramid from Kingston, Jamaica. I, I'm actually in the uh, beginning of making a, a song that's called Stop Touching My Belly, I'm Lactose Intolerant. When I was, you know, when I was a baby, I was really into just uh, doing weird pictures and I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. I just want to be able to continue on doing what we're doing and have Metal Church get out there to get to the level where the band deserves to be, where Kurt Vanderhoof deserves to be, and the music that he's written. That, that's what I would like. But all you had to do was be able to make some noise and express yourself and it was complete freedom and there were no rules and no expectations there was simply self-expression reach to the stars uh, do the best you can put all your energy behind whatever you partake in life do the best do it 100 percent hi everyone welcome to a new episode of what's your story today we have ali agirnas with us um, he grew up in turkey then ended up in the States and of course he became an actor. Um, now, first of all, let's get back to the beginning, Ali. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Turkey? Uh, yeah, so my father, actually, he was an um, advertising agent in, in Turkey and, you know, when I was born. And then uh, my mom was German, so they decided to have the kids go to German school. So we, while I was very young, about age six, we moved to Germany. And then we would only spend the summers and uh, maybe a couple of weeks during the fall and winter in Istanbul or outside of Istanbul or different parts of Turkey with family. So really, I grew up more in Germany and got to go through the German school system and spend family time and vacation time in Turkey, you know. So, so um, the vacations were where the good weather was, and and studying just puts you in the rainy, the rainy days. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that exactly right. So that was I remember as a child when we first moved to Germany. How like what happened? Where did the sun go? It was a definitely <laughs> a a memorable difference, a change that as a child, of course, you can never anticipate. But uh, it was a good change in the sense for the schooling part of it because the. German schooling system, I think, is a little bit better, you know, mm-hmm. um, arguably, at least, arguably. And um, it also somehow, in the long run, served me well because it prepped me to come over here to the U.S. and, and get into film. And, and um, how exactly um, were you convinced or, or, or what exactly happened? So you took the, the long trip from Germany to, it was Albuquerque, I think? Yeah, it was Albuquerque. So at the time I was working, I had, uh, after high school, I started, uh, studied engineering in Mannheim. And uh, my cousin convinced me to work for my dad's business instead, who was working around the U.S. military stationed in Germany. So I, I was involved in, in sales for uh, two or three years before I left. It was time to fly the mess. So it was time to leave home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um And I heard about a private school in in New Mexico just through some people that I had got get uh, met, and they told me about this Nijoni School of Global Consciousness, uh, a new alternative energy uh, type school, more inclusive, more worldly perspective, and so forth. 
So I went and, and just attended two semesters, and then life happened, and one thing led to another, and ended up staying. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how I actually ended up in New Mexico, and that's where I also started acting. It kind of pulled me in through people that I knew, and then an agency asked me to actually join them. And over time, I really basically tapped into, you know, that artistic sense uh, actors have that they crave to be generating something. It's like a collaborative art. Yeah. You generate a scene with somebody else. You bring it to life. You live these emotions. And you help others have this, have this emotional release. Hopefully, that's the goal at least, you know. <laughs> so I really got... Uh, <laughs> I got bitten by that bug they say here, you know, the, I was bitten by the acting bug. <laughs> But um, you said that um, the, the private school was, was quite um, different. Um, could you give an example on, on, on how different it was? Could you give it was, like... It was a, okay, let me tell you, it was a very small setting. They had a, an elementary school with, I think, like 60 students. Mm -hmm. And then a high school with less than 100 students. And then an academy with maybe about 100 students as well from all around the globe. So it was, it was an international setting mm -hmm. um, in, in a school that offered courses on alternative energies, renewable energy sources, new ways of thinking in politics and government, inclusive ways of, of reaching out. So kind of more like a... A school for worldly leadership, if you will. Yeah, but of course, like I said, alternative uh, power and, and, and things like that. Um, that are the, the, the big issues nowadays, of course, uh, with world climate are, gone, yeah. gone right into the sink and, and yeah, global warming that uh, is a hoax or fake news, according to Trump. Yeah, but, what, uh, what global warming? There's yeah, no global warming. <laughs> he just shit his pants and it, it actually warmed up, so yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's uh, that's a Trump story. So that's uh, that's all fake news, you know. <laughs> We pretend he's yeah. not there and just go on with our lives, you know. <laughs> But um, I, I, well, the, the problem, David, is you can't really go on with your life. So the current situation in politics here is so blindsided to what's really going on, and it seems to be almost intentionally dividing not only American society but also international relations. I mean, look, I don't know if you got to see what happened like two days ago at the UN. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I, I was actually talking to, it was uh, Trini yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. Which you also know. Um, yes, and in course. fact, we were also discussing a bit of Trump uh, because I, I accidentally mentioned what happened at the UN and she didn't see it. Um, so she definitely wanted to see it because it just got laughed at, you know. That's basically yeah, it. Is it. Well, it's, it's, That's part of it, but the other part of it also that I keep observing um, is he seems to be intentionally angering uh, different nations that really we don't need any quarrel with. We don't need a problem with China. Mm -hmm. China is a very big and powerful nation, very proud and old nation, and they're not really into meddling with other people's affairs, and he goes out and accuses them of trying to interfere with the election. Uh, you know, or yeah. Iran, instead of trying to find a, instead of trying to find the solution to the current problem in the atomic program that we have, he's completely abandoned it. So it's almost like he's intentionally trying to make the problems 
much worse, almost like he's trying to drive the international setting into a conflict crisis. But um, isn't it because the, the, I think the, the, the biggest weapon factories are the states? So if you drive oh, yeah. the whole world into conflict, everyone would need weapons. And yeah, who would thrive on, yeah, on making the weapons? That would be America. Yeah. So it's all about money in the end. Yeah, but that's uh, that's the whole world at this moment. It's it's a pity. It's a shame, and um, a shame. I'm I'm honestly believe there are still a lot of people um, that are really outside of it, um, outside of just making money and riding over corpses to 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 be able to make it. Um, but yeah. I think it's it's a part of life nowadays, and it's it's a, a pity our children will have to grow up in this. Yeah, we're leaving a lot of debris for them to clean up. It seems, unfortunately, it also seems that human uh, societies often have to push themselves to a lot worse before it can get any better. It, it, it seems to be that way. So, hopefully, we can learn from it. We have the 20 in November. We have the 2018 midterm elections. So. I hope that enough people this time will vote and no interference will happen. So at least we can change the, the, the House and the Senate maybe and get more Democrats back into power because right now it's just crazy, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, um, I, I think uh, it, for us, for example, here in Belgium, I think Trump is on the news daily. With everything yeah. he's doing and, and um, I, 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 we even see him more than our own politicians and we have an election coming up in <laughs> about two weeks so yeah oh, there's wow. something wrong in the world <laughs> yes, yes. now of course yes. we're not here to talk about uh, the politics alone we're here to talk about um, you and, and um, what yes. you've, you've gone through in your life what you're uh, hoping to achieve in, in the near future of course um, yes Something that, that um, I, w I would want to, to congratulate you for is, of course, um, Godless, um, which received so many, so many nominations, even won a couple. Yes. Um, so that's, yes. yeah, that's an achievement they can't uh, steal you, can't steal from you anymore. Yes, that's, uh, it was, uh, when I worked on it, I definitely had the sense that what I could see, the caliber of actors and, and professionals involved, Uh, it was apparent that it was a very high caliber show, you know, that especially the cinematography, camera work, uh, the writing, Scott Frank, of course, and then directing. It was amazing to be able to work with these professionals. Um, yeah, the nominations, I think there were, I heard 12 initially, then I heard 18, and I think it took three uh, Emmy, so a best yep. score, and then Merritt Weber and Jeff Daniels for Best Supporting Actors, which is amazing. And I got to work with Jeff one-on-one, -on -one, just like Trini, which was beautiful, uh, a wonderful experience on set. And of course, as an actor, uh, a lifetime memory, because uh, while working with him between the takes, there were uh, a lot of conversations that others don't get to hear, but I had one-on-one -on -one with him about acting, the business, his experiences, just the acting life in general and so forth that will always stay with me you know yeah what, what inspired you the most something he mentioned something you picked up and you were like yeah i never considered it that way um yeah actually i did because 
when we were di- doing different takes, he, uh, w- at one point we were resetting for the, a new scene and everybody kind of dispersed. And I was still standing where we had just finished filming. A few minutes into it, I hear somebody making a sound to call me over and I looked around and I saw Jeff had sat down under one of the wagons, the mm-hmm. settler wagons, you know. And he called me over and, and he paid me a compliment. He said, you know, very good job. And when he said that, I was really touched because I don't know if you're familiar with like the newsroom or some of other works of Jeff, but he's a very good actor. And to get yeah, a I, I, I love the newsroom. I've seen every episode and I was um, I, I found it really bad, uh, too bad that, that um, there wasn't a new season. I heard there was yeah. a, a project that we were trying to get the funds for a new season, but I, I haven't seen one yet, so I, I imagine that um, there is still aren't any funds. I loved the newsroom. I was really... Actually, this, this whole project we're doing right now, so these interviews and stuff like that, are actually based on, on the newsroom. It was oh, wow. actually uh, the newsroom and, and a film called uh, Daybreak, uh, Morning Glory, yeah. with... Um, It was Morning Glory with, uh, I think it's Richard Gere, um, as a reporter. So it's actually, um, because we, we used the project Daybreak, was our old name. Um, so we used that uh-huh. from, from the Morning Glory. And then the newsroom is actually, yeah, just the, the way of working, the way of, uh, of, of working together. And that's actually our foundation of, of this project. So, Oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> uh, one of, <laughs> that's a one bit of, of backstory for us. <laughs> no, that's, that's wonderful, though. And one of my favorite, uh, all-time favorite scenes, actually, is... Do you remember in the pilot when he has the opening uh, monologue when they are asking him what he thinks about the current situation in America? And he's oh, yeah, totally yeah. that's incredible. And then yeah. he snaps. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite acting scenes. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's actually um, th- that part itself is actually uh, cut out and put on YouTube, and it passes. I think definitely once a year it passes on on Facebook goes viral again because that's at that moment that's um, a, a part where, where he explained that they, they that America used to be the greatest, but it isn't anymore, and um, yeah. it's really incredible it, it g- gets me the shivers every time i hear it yeah um, because he has a really <laughs> realistic you know if he would go into politics i think everyone would vote for him yeah <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> perhaps that's <laughs> that's perhaps the option <laughs> maybe hopefully we'll get to, the problem currently is we're back to politics but the current problem is that we don't really have a lot of good alternatives to vote for you know i mean there are a lot of good people but nobody's like really standing out like you said if we had somebody like uh yeah just as an example but jeff daniels if we had a caliber human being like him there might be a consensus saying yeah let's definitely vote for this human being because he has a good head on his shoulder he has a good perspective he's a leader type yeah. uh kind of like ronald reagan if you think about it i'm not comparing jeff daniels with ronald reagan i'm not a huge ronald reagan fan What I'm trying to say is when Ronald Reagan with his acting background stepped up to the plate, the entire country was behind him. And to this day, the majority of America thinks he was one of the best presidents that this country has ever seen, although they're very wrong about a lot of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's always perspective. But, you know, as I was saying, the, uh, the story of yeah, the, the newsroom for me was great. So I was already a very big fan of his work. 
Uh, also, his comedic work. He's been in just an amazing actor, but The Newsroom probably stands out for me, which is one of my favorites. And when we were talking, one thing, Beth, to come back to your question of what resonated with me, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, definitely the, the compliment he paid me because then we got to just have a moment of humans connecting and then talking, exchanging some information. But then um, him advising me to that he liked that I was mixing it up from take to take. And he shared that he's been doing this for about 40 years now. And he said, you know, Ali, actually purposefully, even when they tell you to bring the same thing back again, don't ever do the same thing twice. Always, always, every take, have it be slightly different. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes counter of what you learn or what you're being taught in different schools and different, you know, environments or, or directors, they want it like again and again, where you're supposed to just bring the same thing, like a, almost like a machine. But Jeff made it more, a bit more personal for me where he said, okay, that's the best thing you can ever do as an actor to purposefully every time, even if it's minute, to twist it up a tiny bit to get a different result every single time. Yeah, that's, um, it's not something that you would think to do. I think um, no, because yeah, you're right. Because like I said, so- sometimes the depends on the magnitude of the production. But let's say you're in a theater play and you finally work out with the director and the ensemble of actors what kind of emotion needs to be seen and what they want to bring to that particular moment. And often I've worked with directors in the past where they're like, "Yeah, actually, you need to do it again the same way, again the same way," and This was just a tiny little twist on the perspective of that. It, yeah, you can still do it the same way, but there can be a twist that makes it more uh, interesting and unique every time. Depending on, on the type of production you have, there is a little bit more leverage. Um, and perhaps it's a, a wrong assumption for me, but I think in, in things like, for example, short films, um, that there's much more leverage, put a bit of yourself in it and a, a bit of toying around to see what works best and with the high high big productions they they're, they need to yeah go into the next scene very quickly and so you have to do three four takes the same way so they can cut and paste and and see that everything is 100% uh, correct while i think right. in, in short films it's more about the tension of the emotion and the playfulness between characters yes That's it's perhaps a wrong, a wrong motivation for me. Huh? Perhaps. Uh... No, I, I think you, you have a very good uh, perspective on that. Because, yeah, there's definitely a certain freedom that comes with, uh, you know, production of, a, of, of uh, a short film or an independent film where the, the director is kind of still working out some of the kinks and quirks of what they're trying to accomplish. But, yeah, in a, high, in a production that is, you know, fast-paced high budget they do they do move fast mm-hmm. you have to be on point every time and ready to go and bring what they need without hesitation so yeah but it was a great it was a great little interaction and he shared many different uh, insights into the business and also a little bit into los angeles living in hollywood because he's originally from michigan And uh, he actually does not like to stay very long in, in, in Los Angeles because it's very fast-paced and business-oriented. He, he likes his music and he likes his art and he likes to act, of course. But uh, 
it was a wonderful little interaction we had, and I'm very thankful. Uh, similar with like Scooty McNeary, the other gentleman who was also a very highly acclaimed actor that I got to work with on that show. Um, Scoot is uh, another amazing actor, and he was in one of the other scenes that I was in. So overall, Godless was a great uh, teacher. <laughs> you know, every, everything, everything is always a teacher, I think, in life. And uh, hopefully you can take something from it, and maybe you don't, but that's up to you. But I like to learn as much as I can everywhere I go and everything I do, you know? Now, of course, you've been in several Netflix series uh, already. Um, uh-huh. is, it, is it something that you can say is, is like... Um, The, the they say also the, the red line in 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 productions um if you find things similar the way they work and and the the perf- let's say the quality of the script and the actors um do you notice a difference between netflix series and and other things you're doing is there a more consistency um that's a hard question to answer what i've seen on the netflix series i have worked on i mean it's a very limited scope that i have uh, there's countless Uh, different productions Netflix is, is engaged in right now. That's actually what I like a lot about Netflix is they, they've gone global. They bring in a lot of uh, alternative productions from different countries and showing other um, ideas and, and entities to an audience that is otherwise maybe not familiar, like the American uh, viewer audience is not very familiar with a lot of the different types of characters and, and situations maybe in like a European market. And that's why I actually really, really like what Netflix is doing with like branching out a little bit right now and getting mm-hmm. productions done. I think I think they just did... My wife was just telling me, she's uh, been amused for me sometimes with some of these productions. She said, hey, Netflix just wrapped their first uh, on-the-ground production in, in, in Istanbul. And, you know, that was like, I didn't know about that. I was like, wow, great. So what I've seen on Netflix is, yes, there is uh, a consistency of really uh, professional production work. Uh, What I mean by that is uh, I've been on on many different, also independent, you can't really compare A to B or apples to oranges. But even on the professional level productions, I've seen sometimes where there was a lot of waste, a lot of downtime, sometimes some, uh, you know, disconnections. Of, of like production procedure or procedures that they would usually use, whereas Netflix seems to be more on the ball. They're, they, they, they're on the go. They go and they make sure that they have everything worked out beforehand and they just shoot, shoot, shoot. And everything seems to be working seamlessly. And um, they're also well into paying their actors pretty well. So that's, that's another nice thing. Now, um, what do you f- how do you feel actually about the, the band that was, for example, at the... Um, Cannes Film Festival um, I don't know if you've heard but um, all series films uh, from Netflix were banned out of the competition you, you know um, I, I, I had heard about it and uh, <laughs> you know this is funny I'm laughing David but uh, it to me that's absurd you cannot control by banning you know it's like building the walls of Mexico mm-hmm. or You know what I, what I mean by that? It's like if if you are concerned with certain things taking over your market, then why don't you make your own production or your own procedures more competitive and interesting to keep up with the current developments instead of trying to keep something out? Because eventually, 
the market might actually just shift to something else. But these are very transformative processes, I think, where if you resist, I, I'm, I'm not a prophet, I can't foresee what, what's going to happen, but you've had this in, I, I'm sure, in film, you've had it in other arts, you've had it in medicine, you've had it in politics, where the status quo is trying to resist some nuances that are changing the market slightly. Mm -hmm. But, you and know, um, innovation is, is on every branch. Um, and, yes. and I think um, nowadays, um, if you don't move with your audience, with your market, um, then yes. one day you'll realize that, yeah, you missed the boat. Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. So if you're resisting it and you're not adapting to what's happening around you, then you might find yourself outside one day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's exactly what happened to, to some of, of the biggest companies. If you looked at, like, for example, 10 years ago, you know, you have Kodak. Yeah. They missed the boat. They thought uh, digital uh, digital photography wouldn't pick up. And now, if if yep. you look around, who's still photographing analog? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's the same about Nokia. They thought that, that uh, smartphones wouldn't pick up, that everyone would still use the, the old models. Well, if you look at the, the market now, yeah, who, who's in there? It's not Nokia. They're trying to launch a new smartphone, but yeah. They're it's now not, behind. Yeah, it's, it's the, we're already past the smartphones and they are now introducing their smartphones. We're already going much further. Think of, of Google Glass and, and, and even augmented reality, virtual reality. It's, it's, yeah, we're already yeah. ahead of, of everything. In, in this and, and five years, you won't even need your, your mobile phone. You'll just have a chip and you call whatever you want by, by just voice command, you know? Yeah, or, or even thinking. I recently watched them. Uh, 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 it was online. Uh, it was a science channel. It was, it was an application that allowed actually the computer to generate physical objects by thinking. So they, they, they captured thought by elect electromagnetically measuring them, translated from a computer into the physical world. So basically now there's the beginning of bridging from the mental into physical. Yeah, that's it's, it's yeah. incredible. The, the the let's say the, the fastness of, of, of how things are evolving at this moment, um, and and I think um, in this, if if we would tell our children uh, in in for example twenty years that, that are new to the world, so in twenty years if you have children, and you would say that uh, we used to listen to cassettes, I think they would, <laughs> would they, yeah. I think they would consider we're completely mad. You know, we we, we would be like. People from 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 the yeah not even the Middle Ages it, it would be yeah. uh, even before that when they, when we just just invented fire you know right right uh, I mean it goes back to the same thing as you know um, initially things move at a slower pace but as as things are being invented it is not a gradual increase it's an exponential jump every time mm -hmm. so what what we're experiencing right now we're like wow and what we don't know is what we have seen is already way past of what what they're working on right now and by the time we we adopt to what is being presented this day and age uh about a few years from now we're going to be like completely lost and like oh my god what do we do with this this is information we can't process anymore as 
we become older models ourselves, you know. And the same thing happens to <laughs> the same thing happens to like uh, the the film industry. We saw it, like you said, in some of the bigger networks. Now they're like, wow, look at this. Amazon and Netflix are now drawing an equal amount of nominations and awards from the Academy as some of the HBO shows or other shows that are out there. That wasn't yep. even. That wasn't even a possibility in the past, or even thought of. And and direct streaming now has taken a huge chunk of the market, and it's only the beginning, I think. You know, uh, one thing that stood out for me recently, my friend. Uh, you know, we all either like or we don't like Star Wars, but we kind of grew up with it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a I love it, but I'm not a huge fan. Where I'm, I need to be seeing it when it first comes out. I can see it a little bit later and still enjoy it. So recently, I got to see that new Han Solo movie with a friend of mine who's a diehard fan. Yeah. And what stood out for me at the very end of it, it was a, it was actually one of the more I, I favored it more than some of the other Star Wars films that had been out in the past. So it was an interesting film. But what really stood out for me was at the end in the credits, the list of actors had shrunk tremendously. Compared to other productions of that same magnitude and budget, but the list of special effects editors and programmers and coders and you name it was just pages after pages after pages, hundreds of professionals. Yeah, that's and, and um, I, that. That's I think it, it's a, an, an incredible evolution in film and and you can already compare it just look at the difference between for example um if you look at the film jaws and you go see the movie the mac now yeah it's it's incredible and like you said um it it can be seen as an advantage but also also as a non-advantage for actors and actresses because yeah there's much more cgi and 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 much more invented characters into films that yeah they can let do what they want to do and, and nobody will see that it's cgi instead of a real actor yeah i mean you know that's definitely something that that the acting community has, has been struggling with anyway because there's always uh much more actor demand than than available production so now that it's developing in that direction that's creating the or that's emphasizing that problem even more where you know less actors will be working in the future and more cgi will be dominating the screens and so forth so you know i just moved to la at the beginning of august i, I had been acting in the uh new mexico market for the last 10 years that's mm -hmm. where i actually booked most of my shows but beginning of august i moved here and now I'm making a new beginning here because it's a much bigger market But prior to moving here in August, I was here in, uh, in May because I've been taking classes at the Upright Citizens Improv School here in Los Angeles on Sunset. And, you know, one thing that stood out because I was doing some different workshops and meeting agents and kind of got like the presentation from a few different professionals that had been doing this market for a decade, decade or longer. And some of it was very uh, disempowering and mm -hmm. uh, discouraging because of the attitude of these professionals that actually were just more interested in beating you down and not having you come to this market, market regardless of what you had done in the past, regardless of what production you had been in in the past, j because they felt like there were too many people in acting, period. You know, so it was an interesting experience to see 
Los Angeles has be- developed into a huge community of of actors trying to make it and going to all these schools and around them has developed, you know, a huge market and economy of, of catering to that lifestyle. People who will probably be not be working or will maybe spend most of their life trying to get into the industry. And that's an entire industry right there. People, you know, all the coaches and classes and voiceover lessons. And there's so much of that. And what has happened over, over the years, uh, the actual true working community has pushed itself a little bit higher out of L.A., meaning they're still maybe physically here, but the agencies and managers that actually work with these people are now unavailable to like the general actor population that are just using much lower tier gen, uh, uh, agents and managers and might not ever really have a chance to see the people or at agents or managers that will allow them to be in the, these you know high budget films because it's already spoken for it's very it's very much a, a boys club but if you is, is that why um, because what I I'm always amazed about um, is you is if someone asks me to sum up um, some actors or actresses um, if you just top of mind would say some of the actors and actresses um, you'll notice that they're always in the same age category and it's more and more difficult to name you know the younger uh, actors and actresses because I, I honestly I, I don't know many actors or, or actresses uh, for example between the age of 20 and 30 years old yes I would have yes. really a big difficulty on f- in finding someone who is in between that age because you know the, if you look at the cinema right now you have Jason Statham you can Brad Pitt you have Denzel Washington Tom Cruise um Yeah, even Steven Seagal, but he's a bit older. Um, you have Sandra Bullock, you have um, Cameron Diaz, and, and, and all those names are actually all in the same age category because it's getting more and more difficult for young actors, starting actors, to, to get those high, like you said, to get those high blockbuster films, to get into the picture, to get a, a more broad uh, perspective because, yeah, nowadays... You can have a broad perspective just by putting yourself on YouTube, but um, if every second there's 72 hours even uh, of uh, yeah material uploaded on, on YouTube, the chances are that you're never seen. Yeah, that actually it's, it's becoming, it's tied into technology. We just spoke about, you know, the evolution of like cell phones and technology in general. That's definitely a part of it too, because everything is just increasing in speed. Um, by yeah. the time, you know, Uh, we used to have, you know, a few years ago, we used to have like actors access and now casting. Now you have Casting Frontier, LA Casting, Casting Networks on, on the East Coast in Georgia, in the uh, secondary markets like Louisiana and New Mexico. There's like six or seven and they constantly keep changing and adding new ones. So it's actually really, even as a working actor, it's really hard to keep up with all of them. Some days when I, you know, when, when you called earlier and I was dealing with like all of this business aspect of, of being an actor this morning, uh, some days it feels almost overwhelming, all the stuff that I need to update and make sure that all the websites are coherent and this new one that I need to be on and so forth. It's, it's a full-time job. I Sometimes I feel like, God, I need to hire someone. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you need to hire an not assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not my passion. What I like to do is act. 
And a lot of it seems to be actually a lot of the technical and business aspects of it. Yeah, it was interesting um, in May when I spoke to these agents to get a perspective of how disempowering a lot of this business actually in, in, in the bigger markets now is because they try to keep people out. They, You know, I one of the interviews I recently had through Charles Sherman, uh, my publicist who reached out to you, Mm -hmm. uh, was with a local AM radio station, um, and it was a psychiatrist talk show host who also did radio for many years. Howard Gluss is his name, I think. Um, and he had this on his, on his show, a talk show about working actors coming about and, and tapping into this new market. And I make, got to meet uh, an actor by the name of Sam Medina. Yeah, we I interviewed had, him too, yeah. Great, and Sam is a wonderful individual, but uh, it just also kind of goes to show you when what he had to say, like the way he arrives in, 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 in the Los Angeles market from Louisiana and the way he keeps himself busy is by following the business around because the business doesn't stay in one place anymore. And he gave me that advice as well. He said, Ali, good for you to come here to LA just like I did about uh, 10, 11 years ago. But make sure you don't stay here. Follow the business. Go to Georgia. Go to Louisiana. Go to New York. He goes, sometimes I work 36 hours. I, I drive 36 hours for an audition. And then I fly back the next day. So it's a very fast paced and, and constantly evolving uh, industry in from all facets. Talking from production side, talking from marketing side, talking from the agencies, you know. So mm -hmm. it's a very demanding thing. Um But if you have been bitten for you, you kind of sucked in and there's no way out. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, is there any anything currently that you're working on? Any, any new projects ahead uh, that we might see you on? So right now, the last thing that was on was Old Story or Messiah that I also have on my resume. And that's after, after that I came from New Mexico to Los Angeles. I have been busy the last couple of weeks You know, first I got settled in uh, August, but the last couple of weeks I've been busy by sending out new packets to new agencies because I don't have an agent in this market. And this week I've been meeting with people at 2.30. I have another agency appointment to go meet with them. There's managers that want to meet me. They've reached out to me. So I'm pretty busy right now to actually make the necessary networking co connections professionally to get the ball rolling again. Mm -hmm. So I can, you know, I've been self-submitting on different auditions for commercials and this and that and a couple of callbacks, but nothing so far. Uh, but I, I'm sure it's just a matter of time. So right now I'm focused on getting the right team going for myself with a manager, an agent, and also always, uh, you know, people often don't realize when they're not <clears throat> given the, when they're not giving acting the necessary attention that it needs you always need to be in some kind of class. It's just like going to the gym. You know, if you want the abs to show, you have to have a certain diet and you have to have a certain, uh, you know, workout routine so your body stays fit. And the same with acting. It's a muscle you have to train. Yeah. So that's another aspect uh, where right now I just finished the 300 level of uh, UCB improv. And... Now I'm looking at a couple of other schools that I might be interested in take some classes there because every class, every school has a different approach, different perspective, and something you can maybe incorporate into your overall paradigm that you, know, you, you personally utilize 
to make it work for you even better and, and just push you forward a little bit more. So I, I'm busy with like the business aspect of acting right now, uh, but I'm anticipating the beginning of the month that I'll be actively auditioning and, and going out there and booking again. Now, perhaps one last question before I, I let you enjoy your day. Um, if you, because you've been on, on, on two sides of, of, of um, let's say, the, the, the yeah, employee market, um, you've been a actually in, in a business working um, like the rest of, of the 90% of the people do. <laughs> And yeah. um, you've, you've also been in, in, yeah, of course, the acting. Um, if you would state one big difference between the two, Because I know there are a lot of assumptions. I think a lot of people that work uh, from nine to five, five days a week, they think, yeah, but those actors, they work one hour, two hours uh, a day, and, and then it's set, and for the rest of, of the month, they're settled, and yeah, you know? Uh, so if you would yeah. state one big difference between the two of them, or perhaps there aren't any differences, it's, it's a job like the nine to five job, or even worse. Yeah. Before answering that, what I want to mention about Sam too was, uh, you know, because you had asked how many, that you only see the same faces working it again and again. And mm -hmm. Sam was also the one who said, you know, there's actually only about 500, 500 working actors in Hollywood or in the country, really. So that's another interesting development. That's a very small pool of actors being used again and again. Back to your question. Um, you know, two things. I, couple of things I want to mention on to, uh, about that is one I've always said personally what I've experienced in my professions that in the past my day jobs my my business career I've had I, I had for about 16 years of having my own business and sales and so forth <laughs> if if you are happy with the job <coughs> excuse me <coughs> with the job that you do if you love what you're doing uh Simply forget about acting. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ever give it a second thought. Just leave it be. Because uh, I think part of the charm and the bug we talk about about acting is it seems to be the most demanding thing there is professionally to me. And I don't mean that. To, I would not compare myself to a scientist or a doctor. But in order to be able to network to go to these classes, to be in front of the camera, to bring the necessary work when you're on set, to know the etiquette, to take classes when you're not working. It really demands everything. It demands 200% of your uh, attention span and dedication and more. There's downsides where you're like emotionally, you know, in the gutter where you're like, okay, I haven't been booking. I need to make, make this happen. There is no consistency of income. So if you can stay out of acting, do yourself a favor and stay out of acting. <laughs> because, because, because only I think only for those who really are very high up and have already established themselves has it any kind of financial reward or benefit. Now that said, um, I want to say that it's probably the hardest work with the worst pay in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> So in other words, even if you have that, you know, you book this this one show, let's say Netflix, The Godless, and you're, you're working for a few weeks and you make good money for a while. And then like, look at my situation now. I'm in a new market. I've established a new household. I'm going out there taking class. I'm meeting in, in, individuals. Everything costs money. 
so in the meantime, what you made before is what you're tapping into to sustain yourself or push yourself forward again. Um, mm -hmm. It is definitely a very underpaid job in the sense that, yeah, maybe when you look at people like Brad Pitt, who makes $20, $30 million on, on a movie, that's different. But how many people make that? That Not many people make that. And believe, believe me when I tell you this, Brad deserves all of that money because his heart soul is in that production and not just for one day, but sometimes for a year or two years from start to finish. Yeah. You know, they own him. They, he needs to bring what he needs to bring all the time whenever they ask it of him. So it's a very high demanding um, testing set with trials. Uh, at the same time, exciting. Um, what I can t tell you about myself is when I did different professions throughout my life, um, while I always applied myself 100% as much as I could, you know, that said, we're all human. We have ups and downs. Nothing seems to be as fulfilling to me as when I act. So if you have that in you, I would say then pursue it. Don't worry about not making it or not having the money, not knowing, hanging in by, by, by a thread. Just keep pushing forward. Because if you do have that love in you, then it, it is right for you. And Sam and I were talking about that as well recently when we had coffee, you know. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely not for everyone. It is definitely not true what the status quo necessarily thinks of the profession as, oh, they only work two hours a day. Um, that's definitely not true. I mean, just to be able to go to class, I have another class this evening. Uh, the last couple of days I've been working on my, my scene that I've been preparing so I can show it and we can work on it in class. Uh, I've been spending all morning updating websites, writing emails, reaching out to professionals, constantly working. I mean, it's, in that sense, it's not any different than a full-time job, but it definitely doesn't have the pay 99% of the time until you get paid. And then hopefully you will get paid well enough so you can continue this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, um, there's a lot of uh, things happening behind the camera that no one else sees. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People think it's, uh, it's actually very... Uh, engaging demanding work acting also the the production part of it the people that work they work even harder some of the the crew the cameraman they're on set for 16 18 hours sometimes and that for like five weeks eight weeks 12 weeks at a time every day after mm -hmm. day it's it's not an easy lifestyle it it definitely takes a good attitude you have to constantly reinvent yourself as a human being, we all have our ups and downs. We spoke about that. Um, as a professional, every professional has to do, deal with this anyway. But when everything is basically, when you have in a normal work setting, probably a couple of variables and a lot of fixed settings, and acting is kind of the opposite. You have maybe one or two fixed variables <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of lot, uh, I mean, fixed settings and a lot of different variables that constantly change. So it's a very uncertain type of lifestyle now um of course i want to thank you about yeah of course for making the time for this interview um we wish you of course also, also the best of luck um we'll put up a, a, a crowdsource a crowdfunding uh, page for you so uh, we're sure that you have lunch every day 
Um, we'll definitely also get you an assistant to keep uh, updating all those websites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to look into that. Yes, now that I'm here, once I get my my business flow going again and go out and work on different sets, then that might actually have to become a reality, you know. But just a small hint, you know, Belgian people are actually cheap employees. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I might call you back, David. Hey, hey. Yeah. I need to put that one trustworthy. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll definitely uh, bring some uh, French fries then. Um, and perhaps some beers too, depending on uh, if the airplane company accepts it. Because, yeah, all those fluids on planes nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the interesting thing is when you think back um, and, and look at where the world in the 80s and the 90s, it seemed, not that I'm saying it was, but it seemed a bit more comfortable to be human. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't all. Like there wasn't all this terrorism, and there always but, was, but there wasn't on this scale. And traveling seemed easier, and, and attitude towards countries seemed different. And so it seems like it has changed, and it, I think it's in our best interest, and uh, probably should be all of our focused efforts to make it a better world for, like you said, our children, because we can't make it worse and worse and worse. It's just going to be impossible, you know. Yeah, and, and to end with a conspiracy. It's AI. AI is taking over humankind. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> did you hear? Uh, did you hear Tesla, uh, uh, Elon Musk? I don't know where I read this. It was online, some website, but they were asking people about the future and what they thought was the worst or the most dangerous thing in the future. And I think it was was it maybe Elon Musk or maybe it was another scientist, a scientist who said this. I think it might have been a physicist. Uh, who actually said uh, that now I lost my chain of thought but uh, that <laughs> it was AI that the most dangerous thing was going to be AI that he actually feared AI more than nuclear war but I think uh, Elon Musk said something similar because um, the big disadvantage is, is um, like you said we we're hopping and hopping and, and making huge leaps in, in technology Um, but not yet the controlling it all, you know. It's it's like yes. social media. We launched it. Oh yeah, super fun! And now you have like social media addicts, and 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 it's becoming a real disease. Depressions that have gone up. Um, but we're not yet controlling it. It's only now that there are more and more rules set up, privacy rules. And but yeah, how long does Facebook exist? You know. So we, we have huge leaps in technology, but the control mechanism is a bit slower. So if we launch in well, AI, controlling it will, won't be even ha happening after five years. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and that's especially, I mean, you're, you're in a European country. I've lived in Europe uh, for, you know, 14 years or maybe longer. Um, yeah, actually almost 20 years. But in any case, definitely America is, that's part of the problem. I mean, you, <laughs> Often, often people around the world think of America as the most uh, advanced, most developed society, and nothing could be further from the truth. While we have some of the best technology and biggest developments and evolutionary, you know, in, 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 in inventions and so forth in this country, there is a lot of 
there's a lot, there's a big chunk of undereducated people, uh, almost, almost like a third world country in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's, you can see that in politics. They, they support, obviously, right now, support like what's happening. Um, they're, they're pro segregation again, as far as like not in the black and white, but I'm talking about how is it different than building a wall to Mexico? Mexico has yep. been part of the American lifestyle for decades, if not a couple of centuries or longer. Um, now you're trying to build a wall to keep them out? And who's going to harvest the agricultural products that, that have been harvested by Mexican immigrants for the last hundred years? Who's going to get those jobs done that nobody wants to do in this, in this society because you think you're too good, you know, or you don't like the pay? So there are a lot of problems that go hand in hand with we are both at the same time we are the most developed country but at, at the same time we are almost like one of the worst or under most underdeveloped countries in the world here in america um europe has a lot more social norms and a lot more regulations common sense regulations if you ask me that should be in place no matter what but they're not so self-understood here they're not taken for granted here a lot of resistance is often uh put up against what you would deem common sense development for human societies to function seamlessly, you know, but it's not the case mm -hmm. here. There's a lot of special interests, uh, a lot of propaganda. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they, they need a lot more regulation here. I, freedom is great, but it's also really, really dangerous to have unregulated freedom when you don't have the necessary I, IQ or, or education that, that needs to support it. But, um, does that, does it, 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 no, go ahead. No, I, I was just asking if that made sense, you know? Well, um, actually, um, it, it made me think of a quote that I heard, um, I think it was a, a couple of years ago, but I have no, no clue on, on who said it. But um, this guy said that we're the smartest, stupid people around on the globe. Yep, yep, 100%. And it's not to bash this country, it's everywhere, you know, I mean... Yeah, it's everywhere. I'm not, I'm not stating the states, it's everywhere. Um, even it's here, everywhere. Um, yeah, things, strange things happen and that we're all stupefied. But we're like, yep, it's still a part of daily life, you know. There are... Yeah. Yeah, we, we make dumb mistakes and, and the, the problem is we, we don't realize making them until it's too late. And then we're back yes, to global warming. <laughs> yes, or, or, you know, it's not even that we don't realize it. We realize it, but we don't learn from our mistakes. That's the biggest problem, I think, that mm -hmm. humanity doesn't necessarily learn from the mistakes that it's made. It's like, look, this is nothing new. We've had this conversation before. This has happened before. But when you're in a situation now where, you know, you had a Europe that united, a very progressive type of development, right? Um, yeah. Or... Under NAFTA, you had a North American continent that was very united in an economic sense between Mexico and Canada and the U.S. And now we're back to uh, segregation here, separation from other countries and just the American way. And and Europe is kind of like faltering in a sense that a lot of division and, and strife and, and fighting going on. And then you have countries like Turkey, like a president like... Erdogan, who is like a Neanderthal, 
you know, for la- <laughs> yeah. lack of Ch- changing laws so, so get more power. That's, that's, uh... Yeah, power hungry people like Putin and Assad and the Iranians and the Air, uh, the Saudi Arabian King House and all of these people that seems like it's outdated type of stuff, but we're back to it. So we have to push forward. We have to find a way to let go of that power hungriness for the benefit of all, because until we can do that as a species, it's always going to be back to this problematic situation of global warming, conflict in the Middle East, conflict here, conflict there, uh, you know, embargoes here, embargoes there, and just separation. And that's not what's going to succeed. What succeeds is inclusiveness, togetherness, partnership, friendship, brotherhood. That's what needs to be the future. So hopefully we can get there one day. I hope so too. And and if not, uh, we'll always have the Space Force. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! I, did you actually follow some of the videos after he made that announcement of like? Yeah, of course, of course. Like I said, um, he's on the news daily here. So. Now, so thanks for uh, this lovely chat. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I did. Thank you very much. And then I'm looking forward to be able to listen to your final product hopefully awesome i'm looking forward david thank you for the time and thank you for this opportunity and, you're welcome uh, and thanks of course uh, also for the opportunity salut à belgique no <laughs> oui c'est ça c'est ça au revoir et bon voyage <laughs> merci à bientôt à bientôt